Welcome to CII Podcasts. Hello everyone, my name is Jayan Sriram and welcome to another interesting episode of the CII Podcast. Today we delve into the dynamic world of manufacturing with a special focus on the rapidly growing sector of specialty chemicals. We're joined by Karthik Bharatram, the Joint Managing Director of SRF Limited, a diversified chemicals conglomerate at the forefront of industrial and specialty intermediates innovation. Karthik's leadership at SRF Limited has not only steered the company towards growth, but also championed a culture of excellence and innovation. Under his guidance, the company has navigated the intricate landscape of specialty chemicals, embracing technological advancement, sustainability, and customer-centric approaches. His keen oversight of crucial functions such as human resources, total quality management, information technology, and corporate communications has been pivotal in establishing SRF Limited as a leader in the chemicals manufacturing industry. In the course of our conversation today, we'll explore the trajectory of the manufacturing landscape, especially in the wake of technological advancements. And we'll also delve into how specialty chemicals are redefining manufacturing norms, the challenges and opportunities that are unique to this niche sector, and the role of innovation in pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Karthik, thank you so much for joining us today on the CIA podcast and for making time for us. Thank you. So, um, if I can start with a, with a slightly broad question, how do you feel the manufacturing landscape has evolved over the years, especially in the context of technological advancements in your field? Okay. So, Jayant, if you don't mind, I'm going to start by actually saying this company is jointly run by my brother Ashish Varadram and me. And uh, just for the record, he is the managing director and the joint managing director. And uh, uh, the way we have split up our roles functionally, you explained a little bit of what I do in terms of the functions that I take care of. And my brother, Ashish, takes care of uh, finance strategy and operations. All right. So we split up our uh, roles. Uh, coming back to the question in terms of how I see the manufacturing sector and the impact of technology, you said on that? Yes, yeah. Okay. So I think what's happened in India is that over the past many years, so sorry, just to go back many, many years to 1991, I think when liberalization happened, all of us or many companies in India realized that we're going to have to change the way we actually run our manufacturing, run our companies. And a lot of process improvements, a lot of companies uh, adopted TQM at that time. A lot of companies adopted ways of becoming more efficient and being able to uh, compete at a global level. Uh, so obviously that was a huge inflection point for a lot of companies and a, a lot changed as a result of that. Companies that survived and did well actually made all the improvements that were required and others sort of fell by the wayside. When you come to the last 8 to 10 years, I think technology has progressively played a role and I'm going to talk about technology in various ways. One is the operational technology and second is information technology in terms of what it's led to. From an operational technology perspective, I'm happy to say that Indian companies are less dependent on the Westerners or the Chinese, etc. for technology now, just because we have our own resources who are being able to develop technology. Okay. I don't think we are at the forefront of it as yet. I think uh, a lot of the Chinese and Europeans are still a little ahead of us because uh, they had a very good academic industry sort of bonding which has allowed them to move forward on uh, this front. I think in India, this is just starting. Uh, in fact, even in the chemical industry, I know a lot of companies are now collaborating 
with the IITs, the UCT Mumbai's, etc., in terms of seeing what they can do on the technology front. So I think uh, from an operational technology front, we're getting there. Uh, more and more people are investing in R&D to sort of improve where we are against where we were in the past. Uh, earlier, it was just sort of an automatic decision to buy technology from abroad. Uh, I think a lot of companies are now developing it here. Information technology is now increasingly becoming a differentiating factor between companies in terms of the sort of process efficiencies, accuracy of data, etc. that we can get. So I would say probably a few years ago, IOT I, was a great fad sort of thing where a few people were doing a little bit, but didn't really know what's going to come of it. I think as time has gone by, people, including the operational people, the leaderships of various organizations are getting more comfortable with it and actually adopting more and more technology, information technology to improve uh, their efficiencies, accuracy of data, uh, on-time data, etc., etc. A lot more of this is happening. And touch wood, because in general, we are a data-oriented society. I think people are making use of, these of this data and making better decisions as a result of that. All right, thank you. I think that was a really, uh, really, you know, uh, well-evolved answer. Uh, and I really, I, I quite like the point about the fact that uh, we need to improve a little bit more on the industry academic, academia connect. Um, if I could move on uh, just more specifically to specialty chemicals, um, it's one of the niche segments that has really gained prominence in recent years. How do you see this segment contributing to the overall growth of the manufacturing sector? And are there any notable challenges or opportunities that you believe are unique to this manufacturing industry, this specialty chemicals industry? See, uh, I believe that specialty chemicals is a knowledge industry. Uh, much like IT was seen as a knowledge industry, where India had this huge opportunity. I feel it's going to be the same in uh, specialty chemicals. When you look at the chemical sector and the general trade, we are just about 3% of the world market in terms of what we produce. China, I'm not sure what the number is, but I will not be surprised if they are at about an 18-19% number. And therefore, we've still got miles and miles to go. Uh, my belief is that the potential, and if I'm not mistaken, we are at about 180 billion to 200 billion when we look at the total value of chemical sector in India. Uh, my sense is that by 2030, this number should double. So the potential that I see, one from the perspective that we have the resources, we have the colleges, we have etc. Which is being able to produce the capable individuals who can work in this sector. Okay, uh, That's one. Second, we have the ability to put up plants at a much lower cost than a lot of other countries. So that becomes a huge advantage. And third, I think India is now being looked at as a good location to source specialty chemicals from just because there are companies that are now being able to do a lot of innovative work. And therefore, companies in the West are partnering with us to pick up intermediates or basic molecules from us as a result. Of right. And, um, you know, specialty chemicals often often involve a high degree of innovation. So, could, could you share some examples of innovative products or processes that have emerged in the specialty chemical sector and how does the industry foster this culture of innovation? And, you know, if you could touch on perhaps what is the role of research and development play in this space? Well, Jayant, I mean, uh, very difficult to quote specific examples, but I mean, what I can say is exactly what you just talked about in the end. Research and development and the number of people getting into that 
and investing in that has gone up significantly. So a lot of the spec chem companies are now actually putting together teams where they are uh, investing a lot more in developing molecules. Again, let me put it very uh, frankly. Right now, most of these are requirements that are coming from the West. So it's not that we are doing innovative work, which is absolutely uh, blue sky thinking. So it is somebody from the West who is saying, I need so-and-so chemical. Can you produce it for me? Okay, so there are two aspects to it. One is where can you produce it for me? Use your own technology, develop your own technology and produce it for me. Second is contract manufacturing, which is also very common in India in spec chem where they will give you a basic design in terms of how this process is to be done. But all the detailed work, in, including any of the efficiencies that you want to bring about to it, is again your R&D team's work, R&D and process design. So as a result of this, what's happening is that Indian companies are investing a lot, whether it's contract manufacturing or where a molecule is being given to you that you need to work on in terms of what you can do to develop that thing. Uh, I would say it's a progressive journey again where we would have been doing very basic work maybe 5-7 years ago but are getting into more and more complicated reactions as time goes by. Right, no, thank you for that answer and um, so just to build on that, uh, specialty chemicals are often tailored to meet specific customer requirements as you mentioned. Um, how do manufacturers such as yourselves um, manage the demand for customization while still maintaining efficiency and uh, cost effectiveness? So a typical specialty chemical plant, Jayant, is is a, like a I, I, okay. A typical chemical plant is in a way like a Lego set. So you have tons of pipes, vessels, reactors, etc. that come together, motors, etc. So you design something for a certain product, which could be a campaign or long-running product. So if you have a slightly commoditized chemical, you know you can run this plant for years and years, designed based on the one-time thing. In Spectin, you have a lot of campaign-oriented products where a customer may want only 30 tons, 40 tons, and that's the end of the campaign. So typically, in specialty chemicals, you have these things called flexible manufacturing plants or multi-purpose plants, where you keep changing the structure of the plant based on the campaign. So you have your whole set, you have your whole structure, etc., but once that campaign is over, you would reconfigure your plant to be able to make the next product. So I think that's one of the great things in terms of the innovation related to the chemical industry, where you make things. So when demand comes, you look at cost and efficiency, but typically specialty chemicals is high value products. So you're not looking to get those same sort of efficiencies that you would get in a long term running plant, which is going to just produce one product. There you would look at really cutting down to the last cent in terms of what you can save, you know, working on things like that. Here, meeting the customer needs in terms of saying by October 2024, you need to produce this product for me. I need to do my process design, my R&D. I need to put up the plant. I need to reconfigure the plant. Make sure the material is produced and sent to him by October 2024. So that's the sort of thing. That product is over. He may come back to you in a couple of years with something more again, a repeat campaign. But for now, he's done with that. So... Our ability to reconfigure plants, put up new plants and all that make a big difference over here. Okay, thank you. And I think that, um, I mean, it sounds to me like a very intricate process that requires a lot of balancing. Um, so thank you for explaining that so well. Um, to, moving on, I think uh, this is a subject that we would inevitably come to in this conversation. With sustainable practices 
you know, gaining importance, um, you know, in all manufacturing sectors. Um, one would suppose that the chemical sector often comes under a lot of duress uh, when it comes to, you know, managing requirements around sustainability. Um, but I want to get your view, how is the manufacturing sector overall and perhaps the specialty chemicals industry specifically embracing sustainable practices uh, in the manufacturing space now? Just when I talk about overall manufacturing, uh, I think everybody, I'm saying even from the past, were looking at trying to see what they could do on efficiencies, etc. because it obviously reduces input costs. So if they could have a more efficient chiller, for example, it would reduce their air conditioning cost, it would reduce their whole cooling cost, etc. Which would obviously lead to a sustainable future as well. So every time they could make efficiency improvements, which were probably cost-driven more than anything else, they were doing that. But they had a positive impact because you were reducing the amount of power you were consuming, etc. So that is one effort that most companies are continuously working on in terms of more efficient motors, more efficient processes, etc. that they can do. And this obviously has an impact in terms of the total power consumption. Okay. The second aspect when you look at it is, I think a lot more companies are now being far more careful in terms of byproducts, how they can be utilized, how they can be used into a proper product somewhere else rather than get thrown away or go into some sort of uh, waste treatment sort of issue. So that is the other thing that is happening where progressively companies are actually working on byproducts and especially in speciality chemical saying that can this become a main raw material to some other process whereby the amount of wastages come down third in chemicals again your effluent treatment the technology in that is also improving constantly in terms of the sort of effluents that you're finally leaving whether you, how you process them and all that so much work is happening on that front as well because everybody realizes that the environment cannot be damaged. I mean, there were poor past practices in terms of especially the dyeing industry, etc., which used to let out a lot of this stuff into rivers and all. I will very frankly tell you, Jad, I think the larger companies have done a very good job on this in, in general because they realize whether they're publicly held companies or otherwise that they have a responsibility to shareholders, they have a responsibility to other stakeholders and they made huge amount of effort and obviously from a compliance perspective, there's a, BS, a BRSR which is now there in India, uh, there is ESG, there are all these sort of pressures in terms of the improvements everybody has to make. Green energy is obviously the other thing that everybody is looking at in terms of how much renewable energy you can use uh, for your power, for your consumption and every company is working on that. So there are various, I would say, standard things from a sustainability perspective that one is trying to do even recycled material is now progressively getting things. So we are in the plastics industry as well. So one is obviously reduce, reuse, uh, recycle. And where we are seeing that if we're getting recycled chips, can we now put add that to the virgin chips and make a sort of product which is sort of a, a, a hybrid product of uh, recycled as well as virgin material. So companies are constantly working on this, whether it is due to external pressures or the general environment, companies are looking at all these solutions. Thank you for that. And I think we can't, you know, I think we can't talk about manufacturing. The other big trend is, of course, that uh, post-COVID, um, global supply chains face disruptions. It's something that all industries and sectors have to sort of adapt to. How have industries in India, in your opinion, navigated these challenges and and what strategies have been Im implemented to ensure a resilient supply chain? So when you look at us as being a part of the supply chain to 
the westerners i think we got lucky during covid as a country whereby china due to its strict lockdown uh, pretty much exited a lot of the in the, a lot of the uh, areas in terms of supplying to the west or even to us i think this created two things that whole china plus one sort of thing came out at that point of time because the general trust in terms of being able to source from china came down at that point of time uh we specifically just as an example have looked at creating a lot more vendors in india where we used to source this material from china we've developed say chemical vendors in india where we are saying that you know as long as you meet the same landed cost price that a chinese could sell at which means with the duties with the freight everything we will be happy to buy from you we are happy to source from india and i think in general from a global supply chain perspective uh while china is very much back in the market now especially from the beginning of 23 uh i think indian companies are definitely getting an opportunity from a global supply chain perspective of being able to a supply to the west i think indian companies a lot of them have gone back to china as well in 23 but at the same time i think progressively are looking at indian vendors to source from in the long run and develop indian vendors to source from yeah thank you and, and that's a, that's a very encouraging sign of course and um again to 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 move on to another topic that's really important that's kind of been the big talking point of the last couple of years if you like how can in how can industry leverage um advanced technologies such as uh, the new wave of ai that we've seen and um iot in its in its manufacturing processes um and you know um can delhi for instance having one of the highest tech startups and incubation centers in india uh, be pivotal in driving ai driven manufacturing um through knowledge sharing and research initiatives so i think a lot of us are looking at startups are looking at companies that can help them on the ai front in terms of doing work for larger companies because you know we all contemplated whether it makes sense to have our own selves doing this but to be able to retain people in this area in a manufacturing company becomes very different very difficult because our dnas are very different from the typical pers- person who's in this sort of startup culture who's working on ai who's working on iot etc so there are a lot of firms that have come up whether it's in pune whether it's in delhi or other places where uh, a lot of young minds have come together a lot of experienced minds have also come together to work on ai and uh, iot projects etc uh, which they are catering to the larger manufacturing organizations with so i know that we are using ai for example visual ai just as an example where say we are manufacturing a textile product uh cameras are constantly monitoring where a defect may be which a human eye would not be able to see and they stop the process and then you sort of look at the inputs that could have caused that defect now these are things that ai is being able to do which humans would have taken a lot longer would have missed out on altogether right IoT projects a lot of them are happening in terms of again efficiencies reliability management where you look at motors and you say that we noticed that the vibration in this motor is going up now if the vibration in this motor is going up inevitably this means that the motor will fail so when you start getting that data through IoT in terms of these sort of things the heat of this motor is going up then you can do a lot of preventive maintenance which stops your uh, actual uh, breakdowns from happening So companies are progressively looking at using these small firms and I think Delhi could be the perfect place to host many of these small firms because you have so many companies that are based out of Delhi and I know obviously whether it's in Pune Bangalore Bombay Delhi all these places 
having access to these guys becomes very important. So I think Delhi has a great opportunity to for these startups to actually survive in the long run. To thrive, not survive, but to thrive in the Thank you for that answer once again. And um, as we are as we are winding down the discussion for today, I wanted to ask you as we look ahead, what do you envision for the future of the manufacturing sector in India? Um, and um, are there emerging trends or technologies that you believe will shape uh, the industry in the coming years? So I think uh, the manufacturing sector in India, I think it's a great opportunity at a larger level. Uh, obviously, we have the manpower. Uh, whether it's the uh, uh, educated manpower or the skilled manpower that is available in India, all these people are available to actually put together plants and uh, do a great job. Uh, so we have the brains, we have the brawn, if you want to call it that, to be able to do this. Um, I do believe that from a cost perspective, India is still one of the most competitive places to put up plants. Uh, supply chains, logistics, everything would need to improve. Uh, further for us to really become as accessible a place like China is today, etc. I mean, the uh, ability to chi- for, of China to send out millions and millions of tons and, you know, do it on a daily basis is amazing. And I think while we've been improving, further work, so further ports, more things, all these sort of things are required. So the manufacturing sector from an India perspective, we have the Indian demographics where we have a one and a half or billion people. So there's a huge domestic market. But I also believe that we could have a huge export market that we can cater out of here. The general trust in India has increased uh, tremendously uh, in uh, over, I would say, the last 15-20 years. And therefore, people are happy to source from India. Uh, I think one of the issues to a certain extent that's going to happen is accessibility to land, to be able to put up projects, etc. Still a little bit of an issue in India to be able to getting all the permissions, all the approvals to get going. Uh, we have uh, investments in Thailand, Hungary, South Africa, etc. At least in a place like Thailand, which is a country which is close to us, uh, the speed with which the whole system works to get you up and going is amazing. So, I mean, I think there are certain areas that India has to improve on that front. But I think the opportunity is just huge for us in manufacturing in India. I mean, uh Again, like I said, we have everything going for us. So there's no reason why we shouldn't become a manufacturing powerhouse. Agreed, of course. And thank you for that answer. And on that note, uh, we'll end the discussion for today, I think. Uh, thank you so much, Karthik, for, uh, for joining us and making time for this discussion. I think we, while we uh, focus specifically on, um, on, on specialty chemicals, I think we covered a lot of other issues also in the manufacturing sector. So thank you so much for the conversation today. Thank you, Jayanth. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to CII Podcasts.